Sweaty-faced, filling the frame here. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Agony Cast, where we are improving culture through friendly competition. I'm Jeremy, certified member of the Clean Plate Club, and with me are this week's contestants. I'm Lars, the owl from the Hooters logo. <laughs> I'm Ryan Fartnoise, but the kids call me Mr. Glass. <laughs> I'm Nathaniel. I'm just a poor boy. Nobody loves me. I'm just a poor boy from a poor family. Spare me my life from this monstrosity. All right. Is that a, a reference? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So longtime listeners to our podcast will know that we have two rounds on our show, and we begin with the two-minute win-it round. Two-minute win-it. Wherein uh, each contestant will be given uh, two uninterrupted minutes to respond to a previously determined prompt. Uh, the prompt for this time was to pitch an episode for the X-Files reboot. It looks like I'm up first. Okay. So now the prompt asks for an episode, but I think it's my responsibility to stop <laughs> pussyfooting around and offer the best possible episode, jam-packed with everything you love about the spooky series. <laughs> Good news, X-Files, and I'm spelling that P-H-I-L-E-S. Fluke man is back. And he's flukier than ever. Him won't lay eggs in your belly, but he'll find a home in your heart first. And get ready for a gritty reboot from series weirdo Eugene Toombs in a crossover promotion sponsored by Popeye's Chicken. He'll be eating livers again, but also gizzards and Cajun rice, all part of the new Louisiana Live Well menu. And you can count on the return of classic X-Files Mulder and Scully shipping. Will they? Won't they? Spoiler alert, they will, and it's disgusting. Nothing is taboo to these savages. Nothing. And who's that skulking in the shadows, lingering in the twilight? Could it be the return of morally ambiguous stalwart series antagonist, the smoking man? That's right. He's back, but now he vapes. I'm the vaping man, and I'm here to cause you trouble. And following the original spin-offs Millennium and the Lone Gunman, the X-Files gang once again teams up with a rogue investigator possessing supernatural powers. Hold on to your paranormal paraphernalia, X-Fans, and wait until you meet Deuce Rocker, fecal investigator. <laughs> Rocker, you're out of control. The proof is in the pudding, chief. Wait a minute. The kidnappers are hiding out at the old peanut processing plant. <laughs> Look out for that ramp. Whoa. <laughs> Elevation detected. He's got a, a, a talking car. <laughs> hey, punks, you stink. <laughs> nice work, rocker. Hey, what do you want me to do with these guys? Flush them, chief. That's his uh, catchphrase. Flush them, <laughs> chief. <laughs> Thursdays at eight. <laughs> so that's right, ex-friends. It's time to become a now friend and get ready to bazinga or whatever all over again. The truth is out there. X-Files, X-Files, X-Files. 
Thank tack. Okay, wait. So that's great. But when okay, when the, when the fecal guy joins the show, oh. are Mulder and Scully no longer on the show? Is he the only remaining protagonist? No, he's with them for an investigation, and then he's got his own spinoff. Perfect. Like you know, I envisioned it as, um, you know, in the vein of Millennium or uh, the Lone Gunman or something like the uh, comic book Chew, except uh. vastly more disgusting. <laughs> Will his the pilot of his spinoff also predict nine eleven like the Lone Gunman pilot did, <laughs> or or like like a corn eleven to keep with the fecal? You know the the Lone Gunman pilot uh, anticipates nine eleven almost exactly. That's true. Worked in a plane flying into the World Trade Center months before the uh, event happens. I remember on 9-11, they chose to speak to Tom Clancy, you know, and their infinite wisdom. I mean, he has a lot to say about a lot of things. It's really disappointing to know they should have been talking to the lone gunman or probably the writer of that show. Or Clive Cussler, Tom Clancy's <laughs> bad boy spin-off. <laughs> what would Dirk Pitt do to stop 9-11? Everything. <laughs> He does everything. Who would he do? All the women. That's right. You're a huge Clive Cussler fan, aren't you? Huge Clive Cussler fan. Long time listeners know that yeah. I'm often talking about the cuss. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not the latest Dean Koontz. I know, I know we should, we probably wait to the end of the episode, but do you want to do a plug for your cuss cast, the Clive <laughs> Cussler uh, podcast? <laughs> this week's cuss cast. We're talking about which shipwreck Dirk Pitt should investigate next. And is his son really his son? We'll find out next week on CussCast. Featuring extra cussing. <laughs> Fucking CussCast. Fucking Ryan's CussCast runs exclusively during the middle of this podcast. <laughs> It's like a play within a play. It's basically Hamlet. This is Hamlet. Hamlet. It's a Maison podcast. All right. Well, so I've thrown down the gauntlet. It looks uh, like, Lars, it's your turn to uh, give us your two minutes. So it's a documented fact that David Duchovny is a sex addict. He craves it. Apparently, it was Duchovny's sex addiction that broke up his marriage with Taylor Leone. So my episode has two titles. One, the official title, White Supremalians. And then two, unofficially, Taya's Revenge. The plot is not too subtle, but it is timely. All over the world, dark-skinned people are getting accosted and ultimately abducted by aliens. Um, the, plot, the plot hinges on a theme in the X-Files, which is that most episodes had a monster of the week, and these monsters were often metaphors for a cultural issue. So the thing to do now is make a monster who represents a parable about the plight of the black community and indeed of people of color around the world. So this alien race captures people of color, and we actually see them do it in found footage style. And as the aliens capture these people of color, they say things. But here's where it gets interesting. As David Duchovny in real life is reading the script before he shoots the uh, episode, he realizes that these lines that the aliens are saying are drawn from things he said to his wife to try to excuse his sex addiction, like, I can't help myself, or I just love doing this, or I'm worth it. These are the things that the aliens say as they abduct people of color. And it turns out that Tay Leone is a new writer for the X-Files. So Mulder and Scully are scripted to say a bunch of demeaning things about this alien, marveling at his evilness, but really the alien is a metaphor for David Duchovny in real life, and it just wears Duchovny down to shoot these scenes. So Scully says things like, 
God, have you ever heard of anything worse than this alien? And Duchovny says, yeah, this alien's pretty bad, Scully. And she shoots him this look because his line was supposed to be, Scully, there's no excuse for this kind of behavior in space or, and this line is italicized in the script, on Earth, like if a person did this kind of thing. And then Scully says, yeah, this alien is worse than when that fluke came back as Hitler fluke. And Duchovny has to just take it time after time. And then eventually he freaks out and it you know, pans back. Uh, you know, the camera away from the set, away from the earth. And Tommy Lee Jones is holding the universe in a marble. And, and he just says, got milk. Well, you certainly hit Ryan's sweet spot there. And you think about Tommy <laughs> Lee Jones and he is tickled pink. We talk about him on the cuss cast sometimes. <laughs> that is perfect casting. casting. <laughs> so how does Taylioni get, how did she get, uh, has she written before? Yes. Yeah. She's written. I don't know. Do you want me to make the joke? The joke yeah. is that she's on the thing, but she, okay. Yeah. So let's see. Um, yeah. She, uh, she probably like blew the director. No, that's not fair to her. Um, she, no, they, no, I want to be more fair to her as an actor. They were, they were so impressed with her work on the naked truth, deep impact and um, Spanglish that they decided this, this is a person who knows the language and the craft. Not Jurassic park three. Oh, that's right. She was in that oh, too. Right. No, they were a little disappointed in her role in Jurassic Park 3. They thought it was a little bit too good. Mm-hmm. Curiously, she also penned Desert Passions 2. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. that one isn't as good as Desert Passions. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. No. So yeah, I just have this 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 idea of Mulder, of you know, David Duchovny just grinding under the pressure, you know, and uh, and just trying to think, get get his mind off all the pain by just imagining all the like sex he's going to reward himself with, you know, after they shoot with maybe like Fox Network stars from the first era of the X Files, like Christina Applegate and the Pink Power Ranger and and Fluke girl Band. from the Tick, the the slightly more female Big Bad Beetleborg. Poison Ivy from Batman the Animated Series, if you could figure out who <laughs> whirled her out of that cartoon. Yeah, well, if he makes any headway there, let me know. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Monkey bones? <laughs> well played. All right. Um, well, I think that uh, that rich vein has been tapped. Let's move on to Ryan, and he'll give us his pitch, and we'll all catch. All right, gang. <laughs> Here's what I want. So this is really something that I've I've been wanting for a while is an episode of the X-Files where Scully is totally right. Right? That's that's the pitch because you know when I first watched this show, I was always a Mulder fan. I found Scully kind of annoying because she was such a naysayer. And it's like, you know Scully, how many times does it have to be a mutant Mothman killing people before <laughs> you're like, "No, it can't be a mutant Mothman, Mulder. That's not what it is." And just realize that it's a mutant Mothman. Like, quit telling Mulder that they're not aliens, that it's just ALF fans in costume headed to a convention, and that's what you're seeing. Right? Just accept you know it's aliens. You've all seen the show. But as I've revisited the show lately, I do feel like Mulder is kind of a self-righteous dick sometimes and also kind of a mansplainer. Um, and I've also just in life come to value the skeptical perspective that Scully brings a bit more. It's less fun, but it is more responsible. Um... Of course, it's easy to see why you can't have the skeptic be right on a show like this. For one, the skeptical perspective is less sexy, unless, of course, we're talking about renowned skeptic, the amazing James Randi. Am I right, ladies? Grr. Lost in that beard for days. 
But if the skeptic isn't right, if the skeptic is right, there's really no show, right? There can't be a show about the X Files can't be a show about how there is no overarching, barely coherent conspiracy about alien colonization, or they find out that FEMA is just a sorely underfunded organization that is trying to actually protect us from the Haunta virus, right? <laughs> so you can't have the you can't have an episode where Scully is right, and I think the closest thing that I have in mind is the episode where they pursue the lake monster, and it turns out to be an alligator. Right, and so there's still tension and excitement, and of course, at the very end of that episode, they show viewers the lake monster as a giant middle finger to Scully. Right, <laughs> fuck you, skeptic. Here's the lake monster. You just got your dog eaten, but here's the lake monster. And speaking of monsters, here's the other thing that I want the X Files to tackle that it surprisingly never has. I think most fans think that it has, but it hasn't, which is Bigfoot. They've never actually done a Bigfoot episode. They've nodded to Bigfoot. I think most people assume that they've done a Bigfoot episode. And I have been a Bigfoot enthusiast since I participated in the Bigfoot <laughs> hunting squadron unit X. <laughs> and so here's the pitch for the episode. So Mulder and Scully head to the Pacific Northwest to investigate a series of strange forest attacks by a large hairy creature. Now obviously Mulder automatically suspects Bigfoot but Scully has a much more plausible, non-supernatural explanation. That famed wrestler and Princess Bride star Andre the Giant faked his own death and has been hiding in the woods for over two decades. So Mulder berates Scully for being a buzzkill, but the clues start to mount in Scully's favor. So the agents find 157 16-ounce beer cans in the woods, and Scully surmises that Mr. the Giant was trying to break his previous record of drinking 156 beers in one sitting. And when two teenagers have their midnight mid-woods make-out section, session, interrupted by an attacker who uses a combination of Andre's signature scoop slam and double underhook face buster moves, Scully becomes even more convinced that she is right. So the agents get a reluctant Skinner to use his pull at the FBI to set up a trap for Andre the Giant involving his longtime nemesis, Jake the Snake Roberts. Mulder and Scully pose as teenagers about to make out. Swoon shippers, will they or won't they? They already fucked and had a baby. But will they kiss? I don't know. Let's find out. And when Andre the Giant bursts from the woods to attack them, Jake the Snake Roberts throws his boa constrictor Damien at Andre, exploiting Andre's well-known fear of snakes, causing him to suffer a mild heart attack, just as he did with his match with Jake the Snake during their Saturday night main event bout in the 80s. Andre is neutralized, but the agents find he is too heavy to move, just as he was when he got drunk in Pittsburgh and could not be removed from a hotel lobby. So they leave him sleeping in the woods. Mulder admits that Scully was right and gives her a congratulatory pat on the ass for a job well done. <laughs> then the agents attend WrestleMania with Skinner and the lone gunman who are somehow still alive. Hmm. That's, uh, that's, uh, those are some deep cuts. Yes. Uh, now, will they put uh, velvet ropes around the slumbering giant as they did in the Pittsburgh Hotel? <laughs> Presumably. I assume they carry that, that standard issue field equipment for FBI. You know I'm also really impressed that you didn't go blue and trot out the most known story about Andre that he would shit in the bathtub when he stayed at hotels because the toilets weren't large enough for him. I bring this up only because I smell a lot of crossover potential with a certain paranormal investigator. <laughs>
<laughs> That's the crossover episode is he's also doing the investigation from that end. Yeah. From that end, indeed. You run that in, indeed. They're taking one end, he's taking the other. Oh, boy. Does anybody else want to make a pass on saying, why did it have to be snakes in Andre the Giant's voice? Why did it have to be snakes? (laughs) I can do it as Matthew Weiner. (laughs) (laughs) Matthew Weiner, the gentle giant. Why did it have to be snakes? Okay, Matthew, do we have you on the line again? Yes, hello. Okay, who's, a, who's the most fuckable member of the cast? Oh, uh, that British guy that hanged himself. <laughs> At least you're consistent. What what uh, new shows do you have in store for us, Matthew, since you've wrapped up with Mad Men? Um, Calm Women. Understandable. That's it. <laughs> and I'm out. And that's it. <laughs> Not since Raising Arizona stood there alone has there been such incredible improvisation from our master thespian. Bravo, sir. This proves to the listener that we do not practice this in advance. <laughs> it's such a well-oiled machine. So it's, it's genius for its simplicity. They're Avon ladies. That actually would be a good show. It would be. It's good. Oh, well. It would be. Thank you. Ryan, I also like that you uh, pointed out that Jake the Snake has found Andre's one weakness, mild heart attacks. <laughs> not a major heart attack, man. No. Mild heart attack. Those he shrugs off. Yeah, not until that last one. All right. Well, it seems like we've got three strong, strong options here. Nathaniel, <laughs> do you want to uh, get into the squared circle and give us your pitch? Yeah, I will I will try. It's, it's, it's difficult to go last. Um, so I propose a gender swap episode. Mm, brilliant. Um, but not in a Freaky Friday swap. I mean, actual alien-controlled sexual reassignment surgery. <clears throat> uh, principally, the episode... <laughs> Ostensibly revolves around both Mulder and Scully trying to figure out who did this and to what end. This is right. Who's the monster that did this? Wait, so they their genitals have been swapped. They're they're they just yes. No, not with each other. They just have they've just been reassigned. They're different genders now. Mm. Perhaps the word swap was misleading. <laughs> they don't have each other's genitals. They just have It's not like a swap meet then. Right. Exactly. Does this count as my two minutes? Um, you're really eating up your time here. Get yeah, on. The way yeah. you're really eating up your time is these frequent pauses during which you're clearly touching yourself. Uh, boy. So, however, the drama, the heart of the episode is reworked, is, is the reworked gender politics of the pair. And Ryan spoke to this earlier slightly. Mulder finds herself on the receiving end of some classic Scully mansplaining, and Scully finds himself having to constantly rein in his emotionally volatile partner. Faith and doubt, assent and skepticism, reason and emotion are fully reassigned in this episode. The strangeness of sex and gendered bodies is alien enough for this week. Fun facts about this episode. The title is called The XY Files. Um, David Duchovny will get paid half as much for this episode as Gillian Anderson. (laughs) Also, this episode will include a tie-in to the Gilmore Girls reboot, featuring Stars Hollow as the site of the sexual reassignment surgery, performed by Lauren Graham, whose spoiler alert is in fact an agent of the syndicate. Mm. I'll watch anything with her. And the monster of the week, the <laughs> monster of the week really is gender roles. Thank you. Nice. Bravo. Well done. Subtle. Yeah. Subtle. 
As I uh, muttered aloud, um, I'll watch just about anything uh, with Lauren Graham in it. She's actually the queen of my um, fantasy list. Who else is on there? (laughs) Amy Adams is on there. That's right. (laughs) Um, Pumaira is on there. Uh, That is the thinking man's Chitara, of course. (laughs) Uh, Nala from The Lion King. Uh Goes without saying, sure. I mean, stereotypical, but still. Right. First half or latter half of the film. <laughs> mm. <laughs> She's not a pervert. Well, it depends. Latter half. Yeah. That, okay. Not I, gross. Just checking. I think, I think one is white and one is black, by the way. You mean in terms of voicing? Yeah, voice actors. Hmm. That was, I heard that. I don't know if it's true. I could be wrong about that. Nathaniel, you're a Lauren Graham fan as well. Right? I am indeed. into this. That's I, I yes. That's why after, I mentioned it. After your um, after your uh, thoughtful solilo- soliloquy on gender roles, let's talk about which women we'd like to bang. <laughs> oh, yeah, Lauren Graham in the, in the first in the opening scenes of uh, oh, what Sweet November or what is that movie? Bad Santa. No, where she's she's the pre she's the boy, girlfriend of uh, Keanu Reeves before he meets uh, what's her face? I think that's Desert Passions too. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Even now, as she's pushing fifty, she's still a uh, she's still a piece of work. Oh yeah. You yeah, she actually joke yeah. about the uh, the pay rate there, but apparently that actually happened. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, oh, I heard uh, Gillian Anderson or Gilly, whatever, however you you choose to pronounce the G, um, did re- receive an offer of half the salary, which makes perfect sense for a show where the duo is clearly equal. Right. In importance to the show. Is it GIF? Is it GIF Anderson or Jif Anderson? <laughs> Choosy, yeah. Choosy moms choose Jillian Anderson. <laughs> so I was right about the race change. Young Nala is played by Nikita Kalame, and adult Nala is played by Moira Kelly. Quite white. Hmm. Well, thank God we put that to bed. I don't think I would have been able to sleep tonight. <laughs> no. Not after your Lauren Graham sex dreams. <laughs> now that that'll put me to bed pretty quick, actually. <laughs> Go right to sleep because moments after I climax, nothing could be further from my mind. <laughs> does, does your does your wife wonder why you we try to go to sleep whispering to yourself the names of her major roles in films? Kill more girls, bad. Santa. Oddly enough, I've never seen her in anything that she's uh, she's been in. So. <laughs> Just not, just not an interest. I'm not a fan of her body of work. Just the work of her body. No. He's never actually seen a photo of Lauren Graham or any moving images of Lauren Graham. Oh, you know what? I'm confusing her with Graham crackers. (laughs) Both of them caused me to uh, finish. However, (laughs) longtime listeners will know that that reference to my horrible sex life. Uh, indicates the end of the uh, first round. So before we move on to the second round, oh boy, fellas, ding, 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 ding. Good news. That's right. It's our opportunity to participate in America's favorite pastime, music. I'm asking you to open up your iTunes, dust off your LPs, and check the floor of your geo trackers for casingles. So our game today, tell us the most embarrassing song in your music collection and give us a few bars. Since I laid this on you folks, I'll go first. Uh, And in my iTunes, there are a lot of horrible options here. Um, Maybe Ice House's Electric Blue, which is on heavy rotation of late, (laughs) right? 
I just freeze every time you see through me and it's all over you. Electric blue. Maybe juveniles back that ass up. Maybe it's the only song that definitively answers the question, ho, who is you playing with? <laughs> but to be honest, if you uh, flip through the titles here, there's really only one truly shameful choice. Number one, Mit Ina Bullet, Avril Lavigne's I'm With You. Uh. You all may remember this from Lars's Quinceanera, and it goes a little bit like this. It's a damn cold night, trying to figure out this life. You can join in, of course. Won't you take me by the hand, take me somewhere new? I don't know who you are, but I, I'm with you. So there's our winner, folks. And I like it because of the sound of things. Miss Levine's got a taste for strange. (laughs) If you listen closely, you can actually hear her getting Lyme disease on that track. (laughs) Does she have Lyme disease? That's one of the many reasons you haven't seen much of her lately. Oh, the poor girl. And in fact, and you can Google this for verification, before the end of the song, she dies and is replaced by someone. And Lars, you'll be happy to know, I think she was a different race. Oh, well, does that mean to- that uh, Nickelback lead singer Chad Kroger has been uh, married to a dead woman, married and divorced a dead woman? Well, if you can call it a marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Uh, Lars, you're next up in the order. What have you got for us? Yeah, so the big, um, it's really two part. There's an older and the newer, and the older is Tom Jones's immortal sex bomb. Uh, you know, yes. remix by Moose T, uh, which begins, um, spy on me, baby, you satellite. Uh, <laughs> there's really nothing like walking through campus, listening to that, and then looking around and wondering what exactly will happen if suddenly the, you know, everybody's able to hear you since you're singing it aloud. What happens back, if, if a sex bomb goes off? Oh my God! Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like the Tunguski disaster. Did I just combine the Russian thing with the Tuskegee? (laughs) Combines the megaton of the Tunguski explosion with the uh, crimes against nature of infecting people with syphilis and not treating them. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, against you know against their will, obviously, there wasn't a volunteer project. Um, Yeah. So it's not. uh, Yeah, it's not great. The sex bomb is not to be. Underestimated. Do you remember so that our government actually did experiment with a uh, bomb that was supposed to turn out enemy combatants homosexual? Do you recall that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's no, I didn't know that. But I did know. Listen to this shit. Well, this is almost like it's called a glitter bomb. I had a, st- um, I, w- I had a friend who read all those sort of uh, you know weapons magazines back in the day, and the idea was that there was going to be a gun that could uh, you know like turn your heart to jelly from across the battlefield for through some sort of sonar or something i didn't pay attention i was like oh that's just this weird thing you hear about and then you're like i'm too gullible i've stopped listening to people and i told that to a group of students and i had a student who'd been special forces and very quietly as he left he goes yeah that's that's a real thing it's used for underwater you know at the lowest frequency it can actually pipe music to people like uh, you know several like not knots away or whatever but if you do it too hard it will turn the insides of dolphins to jelly it's like that uh, that would be useful when uh, james bond has an underwater spear gun fight yep. yeah, yeah that's right and then he just takes out and ba- the base drops 
Yeah. So and then uh, I sex bomb through that gun. It turns my insides to jelly. <laughs> yeah. So that was the that was the the older, and then the newer one. For some reason, I've been listening to "What a Fool Believes" uh, over and over and over again. Uh, I think it was because the band Rubber Bucket did a really good uh, remix. So now, so let me see. Let me try the hardest part of that song. Okay, so uh, that song goes. Um, what a fool believes he sees. No wise man has the power to reason away. Yeah, that's a really, you know, there's a lot going on in that song, especially the whistling. Yep. <laughs> Those are both fine choices. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, let's move on to our next combatant. Uh, Ryan, what have you got for us? All right. Well, again, like Lars, I have, uh, I have two choices. The first one, I'm, I'm not embarrassed by either of these choices, but um, the first one I think you'll probably recognize just when I sing a few bars of it. I almost stipulated that there was no theme song from Wings, no movie movie soundtracks. Okay, that's one. Is that really the soundtrack, by the way? Loosely. Yeah, that's the theme song to Dick Tracy. Yep. <laughs> well, and then the other, I was actually singing this before I, um, when I was setting my computer up, um, just just now. So it was very timely. I heard it on uh, on the radio the other day, which is appropriate given the song that I heard it on the radio, and it's Eric Carmen's "Turn the Radio Up," which has one of the great acapella breakdowns in all of music. I'm gonna do both parts. I'm gonna do oh. Eric Carmen and his echo. Tur- turn the radio up. For that sweet sound, hold, hold me close, never let me go. Keep this feeling alive, make me lose control. Oh, it's called Make Me Lose Control. It's not called Turn the Radio Up. That's a different song. Yeah, um, I think by the Statler Brothers, that's a, uh, it's a gospel hit um, that involves turning the radio up. I'll give you that one, too. Turn the radio on. There it is. Listen to the master musical. <laughs> Get in touch with God. Turn the radio on. did Jeremy know he would unleash this incredible harmony? Okay, well, Ryan has turned into a KTEL commercial. <laughs> um, although he does that's make all. A... That's it. You asked. You got three. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, more than proud of all of your selections. <laughs> Uh, Nathaniel, why don't you uh, bring us home here? Okay, I, I have two because apparently that's the rule. Uh, the, the first is actually it's hard to get on an MP3 because the band didn't produce much. It's the song uh, Friends Forever by Zack Attack. Oh, yeah. Friends forever <laughs> will be friends. Oh, shit. Um, God. That's the, I was singing the, that's the harmony part. <laughs> With you everywhere, friends forever, always will be friends. That's the chorus to that. Nice. Yeah, that's a hard one to get to because that band not only didn't produce much, but also existed only in Zach Morris's head. 
that's, that's never actually recorded anything at all. And I believe was the product of a caffeine pill infused fever dream. Right? <laughs> nope, nope, nope. That's, nope. That's, that's a common misconception. Well, it was off off camera. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't prove to me that didn't happen. Yep. <laughs> Um, and then the the second is um, Jules' uh, foolish games. Mm. Go on. Uh, these foolish games are tearing me apart. Okay, that's it. Which actually sounds very similar to the uh, Friends Forever song. <laughs> I I'd like to see you do a mashup, a Glee style mashup of these songs. D- done. You know, Nathaniel, when we took Latin together, we used that song to remember some Latin yes. terms. I believe the Latin Latin term for foolish we wrote into that song. This is not the, my first encounter with your love no. of foolish games. It's not. <laughs> or my love of, of Jewel, who's, who spent some time living in her car. Well, that, that makes this all okay. And, and the, 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 most second, the second most famous Snaggletooth after Patricia Arquette. Mm. And Snaggletooth, who ranks in, what, maybe third? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Nathaniel, your long love of this song suggests that perhaps you're not ashamed of this at all, no. which is perfectly fine. Okay. I mean, long-time, long-time listeners know about all of our fondness for George Michael. I mean, I have a lot of that. Uh, I've got Tiny Tim's Living in the Sunlight, um, an unexpected track, but one I enjoy. And, of course, I've got Tina Turner's Private Dancer, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Private Dancer. Dancer for money. You all know that one. We do. Do what you want me to do. According to Kurzweil, that song would be responsible for the singularity. <laughs> you know what? I've actually heard that interview with the uh, Kurzweil screen reader about <laughs> Tina Turner and the genesis of that song. Um, let me see. It, it went something like this. Whore, 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 whore. <laughs> one of these days we're going to figure out what the beef between the Kurzweil reader and <laughs> Tina Turner is. I think that's a tale as old as time, though. You know, I mean, how long have both of those been around? Forever. Cain and Abel, Kurtzweil and Turner. (laughs) Dark and light, chaos and order. (laughs) Young Nala, old Nala. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, now that we're all appropriately uh, chastened, let's turn to our speed round. Speed round. Of course, longtime listeners will know that this is where we uh, respond to a impromptu stem. I, I have no fill-in for prompt there. I just I, I, I'll work on it. And our first one this week is: How will prison change Dustin Diamond? <laughs> uh, now, Ryan, you're, you're convinced that he's in jail. Is that correct? You know, I think that's right. <laughs> you know, and, uh, that, that just sounds right. It sounds like he should be in prison for some kind of crime. You know, ever since we fired the official AgonyCast fact checker, this show has really changed its timbre. You know what? Also, that's true, Lars, because this is clearly a trick question. Uh, prison is not going to change Dustin Diamond because there's nothing harder than Diamond. Oh, he, <laughs> he actually went in as Dustin Cole and came out as Dustin Diamond. Uh, oh prison boy. hardened him up. Right. All the pressure. He just started prison. This is more timely than we thought. Yeah. He just started prison about two weeks ago. Which means by the time this is aired, it will be three months ago. Yeah. So I'm guessing, it, I mean, there'll be more screeching. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, maybe he, he, had, he probably had a Friends Forever tattoo. And, um, you know, like in between Friends and Forever, they probably forced him to insert the words 
bang each other in prison. I mean, in many ways, given how he's treated by, by Zack and, and Slater, pr- probably it's, it's not going to be much different. No. God, remember that episode where Slater turned out his pockets and forced Screech to grab the pocket and then be led around all day? Mr. Belding became his, uh, his sissy? Mm-hmm. Oof. I would imagine that more than, once, more than once, <laughs> Dustin Diamond is going to be you know, accosted by a prison gang right when the yard bell sounds. No. And he's like, save right. by the bell, and everybody's yep. going to laugh. <laughs> And then they'll bury their shivs in him. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that both metaphorically and literally. They've been screeched. The dog, the dog ate all of my appeal last night. <laughs> I was, do you think that he's allowed to bring his robot Kevin in with him? <laughs> <laughs> Artificial intelligence karate-knowing robot, because that would really change the game. Yeah. Here's the saddest thing. A human being has been sent to prison after committing a crime, and our only thought is what his most popular character would do right like not the human being at all like well i mean as a convict it will be difficult for him to get work afterwards or you know as a family it's difficult to have a relative in prison no like screech uh screech in prison so so do we answer this question i think pretty thoroughly right i mean the answer is it will change his life completely and yet somehow not at all Moving on to our second prompt, then, that's niche Uber competitors. You know, Uber just went through a rebranding, so perfect time to discuss this. What are some niche Uber competitors? I mean, there's there's Bluber, right? Um, oh, no, no, excuse me, Fluber, um, like Flubber, like that Robin Williams movie. And all it does is it's just uh, an ever-revolving taxi that carries the dead body of Robin Williams throughout the town. <laughs> And like bl- bluber, right? I mean, like it could be like just like a fat thing, but that's that's kind of beneath us, or is it? <laughs> is it? <laughs> Ruber bringing you to a sex positive, sex safe encounter. That's great. Yeah, Hans Gruber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, too soon. McLean, your taxi. I mean, I, I guess you could have something called Mift, and it would be a cab that detects when you're having like domestic disputes and comes and picks one of you up just to kind of cool off for a while. Cuber, it takes you to screenings of the film The Cube. Is it? Is it Jennifer Lopez in that? You might be thinking of The Cell, Nathaniel. Yeah, that Tarsem uh, film. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. There we go. That's The Cell, that one where she's with Jim Caviezel in it. I don't know. I haven't seen it. If it's got, unless it's got Lauren Graham in it, I pass. Yeah. And then I pass too. I, I purposely compute, confuse that with a movie in which JLo and Jim Caviezel are in it together called Bright Eyes. Right. Is it Bright Eyes or Angel Eyes? Angel Eyes. I think Bright Eyes is the band. Yeah. There's something to be embarrassed of. Oh, Angel Eyes is a... No, that's a spy movie, isn't it? That's a, Angel Eyes is a movie. Yeah. It's right. Let, let, you know what? It's not like we're not all attached to <laughs> no, the no, internet it's, here. Let's it's just... funnier. No, I'm thinking of The Angel starring Val Kilmer. Friends forever. What we'll do, fellas, is I will give you the uh, service and you tell me the name. How about that? Great. Uh, good. That's a deal. Done. Okay. So how about a car service that only takes you to and from Tinder dates? <laughs> Tinderbox. <laughs> Tinderbox. <laughs> Swoober. Wait, what did you say? What's the rationale for that, Nathaniel? Because you swipe 
You swipe Swoober. Oh, I think Tinderbox no, is think, pretty great, though. Yeah, I think Ryan's got it with Tinderbox. <laughs> I had Boober, but I'm I'm more than willing to uh, to uh, relinquish that one. What was yours? Uh, uh, Boober. Oh, that, I was going to say that as well. Uh, so yeah, that's. Uh... So wait a minute. Okay, so that's for Tinder. What would be for Grinder? That's a good question. What about a what about a car service that only takes you to and from Grinder dates? Grindhouse, Grindbox, a Glug. <laughs> Gear gear Glyft. grinder. Glyft. Glug glug glug. All all good options, but unfortunately all incorrect. <laughs> the answer is father the answer figure. Is father figure. <laughs> the answer for the Tinder one is Tinder Confessions. Nope. The answer unfortunately is Luber. <laughs> uh what about a car service that specializes in ta- taking Bostonians? Deep sea diving. Wicked, wicked booba. No. It's just in a Boston accent. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's the water's it's, getting warmer. It's scuba. There it is. <laughs> wait, wait, Jeremy, are these are is this a quiz? <laughs> is there a right answer? Yeah, of course, of course there is. It's all Lars isn't everything. Yeah, of course there are right and wrong answers here. Uh what about a car service that um only takes you to the junior prom and back? Um, puber. Ryan's got it. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. (laughs) Mm, And here's one. Mm, This is a curveball. What about a car service that doubles as a produce delivery vehicle? Uh, Tuber. (laughs) That's one possibility. Give me another. (laughs) Think peanuts, just like Deuce Rocker. Goober. Yeah, but <laughs> I mean, Ruber. It's Goober. Ruber, but that's no great. leg humor. <laughs> Those are all great answers. <laughs> we could also put Goober in there, but that's fine. Glug, glug, glug. <laughs> Jesus, Nathaniel. That's the worst thing you've ever said. Oh. All right. Um, so uh, that's one more hate crime. And let's move on to our last prompt, which is things you wish your partner would compliment you on. That's a. It's an odd prompt for us. Things you wish your partner would compliment you on. Long-time listeners will still be surprised that we are all married. Yeah. yeah, And not to each other. This is almost one we would give to each other. I guess just to get it out of the way, I would just say my genitalia. Right. <laughs> yeah, of course. I would say my wings knowledge. <laughs> yeah. I really like the way you sing that to me as we go to bed, right in my ear, like Jiminy Cricket, mm-hmm. or like uh, it's a the, lullaby, the, like the mouse in Dumbo. Hmm. Yeah, my fidelity. <laughs> I really love Nathaniel. How no one else will sleep with you. <laughs> right, I didn't say why. It still counts. It still counts. Yeah. A, a nose as good as a never asked. More importantly, why is everything so confusing? Ah, maybe I'm just out of my my I ined. <laughs> okay, what, Jeremy? What what would you like to be complimented on mm. around the house? You know, I I don't think I'd want it put in words. I like to be held. I like to be pampered. <laughs> so so you're a diaper person. If you read between the lines, sure. I assume, I assume that's the preferred nomenclature. Yeah. Ryan? I, I already said wings knowledge. I would also <laughs> that, say... That's it. 
I would also say my wings eating ability <laughs> and my love of the Detroit Red Wings, my Red Wings fandom. And Paul McCartney's and, and Paul and, McCartney's yes, band and wings. And my, my cover band, my Paul McCartney cover band, Wings. Give us a few bars of band on the run. How about band on the run? No, no, no. That's the middle part. Do the beginning. Band on the run. The Wings theme song was actually written by John Lennon right before he was shot. It <laughs> <laughs> was going to be the crossover. John Lennon, despite not being in Wings. That was actually yeah. the episode of X-Files I was going to pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm not I'm not I'm not complimenting on my paleness enough. I mean as long as you know, I think Laurel's gonna listen to this, so I just wanna make sure Right. You, you want her to hear. I mean this is really a chance to, to tell our partners what, uh, I was, what they can I do. used to be quite the lover. They used to call me pale fire. <laughs> <sighs> it's just having sex with Lars is as good as having a mirror on the ceiling. <laughs> Some cases better. Well, I think we've uh, pretty we? much run our course on that one. So you know what that means. Yeah. It's time for the big vote. Uh, as listeners know, I uh, don't vote unless uh, unless I really have to step in and, and straighten things out. Uh, so we'll go ahead and start with Lars. Who do you vote for this week, Lars? I think I go with uh, Jeremy. I feel like your um, your two minute was really really yeah. strong, and um, I think that 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 peanut uh, poop guy really has legs. All right, one vote for me. Well deserved, I should point out. Ryan, uh, who have you got? Well, I was also going to vote for the fecal matter investigator, <laughs> which I guess is a vote for you. So, what was the gentleman's name once again? Yeah, that's Deuce Rocker. Thursdays at eight. <laughs> Talking car right, filled a with vote the, for uh, a vote for Jeremy is a vote for Jesus of his Rockers. dead wife. So, yeah. So Nathaniel, quick question before I vote: What's the name of Deuce Rocker's car? Mm. Um, and and what kind of car is it? It's a T Bird, of course. Its name is Linda, and that's an acronym, although it doesn't stand for everything or anything. Okay, right? now Linda is a great choice, but what if it was, you know. So Kit, of course, is the Knight Rider car, which is also an acronym. But right, but what if it was it was rarely spoken of, but the acronym was S H I T. And so there was, you know, it worked and it was a reference to Kit, but it was never spoken aloud. Yeah, I mean we could possibly do that. In fiction, the uh uh robot car is imbued with the spirit of his dead wife. Let's see, how, um, how could we fit that into a uh, spirit of his <laughs> interred uh whatever is t termagent spouse let's just say her name was Teresa. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna go a totally different direction with this and i was gonna say that it was a low rider called the deuce dropper <laughs> <laughs> well ryan i might bring you in for punch up <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm aiming for well, uh, Nathaniel, why don't you just throw your vote away and tell us who uh, you've got? I, I think for the sake of perfection, a vote for Jeremy. Fart noise. <laughs> oh my God. Jesus. All right. Well, the votes have wow. been tallied. Um, I've come in second place to Rubio, uh, but I still <laughs> get to select our topic for next time. Um, and that's, that's going to be this. 
The liberal media would have you believe that Lemmy Kilmeister, David Bowie, and Alan Rickman died of cancer around the same time. (laughs) What single theory actually explains their deaths? Because we know better. Okay, and that'll do it for this uh, episode of the Agony Cast. I encourage you to join with us next time. I guess there's nothing really left to say, is there? Mm, let's send it out on a little bit of Avril Lavigne. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs>